Welcome to the school of the Holy Spirit. We shine the light of Jesus over you. We sprinkle his blood on you and wash you with the water of his word. Lord, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Holy Spirit, send forth your flames of fire, ministering spirits, your angels, to minister to all the listeners. May the eyes of your understanding be enlightened so that you may know the limitless love of the Father in Christ Jesus for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. First of all, I want to thank you for inviting me. Uh, thank you, Elder Collins and Brother Terry. It's an honor and a privilege to co-labor with you guys in this space and in this time in history. Um, I am I'm the fifth. I'm the fifth of five children. Um, I have been in ministry. Um, close to uh, 35 years plus. I've served in practically every capacity from a worship leader to administrator, from an elder, uh, you know, just name it, a Sunday school teacher, a board member, whatever there was to do. I was pretty much raised uh, under the uh, leadership of Apostle Cal, uh, not Apostle Calvin, I'm sorry, that's my one now, Apostle Clifford Turner. And um, I mean, it was like a boot camp training. A lot of you all see me around all the time, but um, that's only because that's in my DNA. That's how I was trained. Uh, I am a, a worker in ministry. I, I'm a lover of God. I love people. Um, so I'm just somebody that loves the Lord. I don't, um, you know, my name or my claim to fame is Jesus. You know, without him, I am nothing. And uh, I just want to give glory to God uh, for um, saving me and for me uh, being able to hear the voice of God and respond uh, to the wooing and the drawing and the calling of God uh, over 35 years ago when I answered the call of God uh, to be born again. So that's a little bit about me. My A lot of my family is here, as you and Terry always um uh, tease me about, you know, I have my sister Phyllis, my nephew Rico, Jasmine, um, and just friends, you know, we love, we love each other and we love God. And, um, I give God the glory, uh, for being here. Amen. Amen. Yes, we, we always talk about um, the family and friends, Dorothea is here and Renee and Phyllis and um, all the... Um, Jolyn. Jo jo I miss Jolyn. <laughs> Jasmine. No, they, they're all here. Um, and, um, you know, some of us that have also become friends, um, Elder Braxton, um, Doris and Demi and Brother Paul and Sonia, um, and um, so you can you can see how you know relationally um, tied you are into our hearts, and um, we we really so so blessed to to know you, Elder Inez. Um, so um, uh, without any further ado, I would love to um, just give over to you and um, welcome you 
um, onto this platform. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. And Father, just again, I thank you that everything that you've planned from the foundation of the world shall come to pass today. Father, we thank you for moving by your spirit, for setting in motion in this place, for breathing the breath of life into us, for blowing your breath today and slinging your weight around. Father, it's our privilege and it's an honor and it's our intention for you to be glorified. Yeah, that's what Jesus said, that you would be glorified. So I'm asking you to be glorified in this teaching. Be glorified in this message. Be glorified in this place and on all the earth. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Well, again, it's an honor and a privilege to come before my family and friends and minister the word of the Lord. And this is really a continuation of what the Holy Spirit gave me uh, to minister a few weeks ago about the unfailing love of God. Uh, I believe that one of the greatest revelations we could have is a revelation of God's love, a revelation of how much God loves us, how much God values us, how much God esteems us. See, that's what the love of God is, the agape, the unconditional love of God. The word love is agape, and it means to value someone. It means to esteem someone. It means to treasure someone. It means to cherish someone. And one of the one of the most what we probably would say the most preached scripture in the gospel is John three sixteen. But there's so much revelation. There's enough revelation in that one scripture for all of humanity to access the throne of God. And it says that God so loved the world that he gave. And I'm going to stop right there because I, I love to make the point that you could give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, beloved, God is love. God is light and God is life. But today we're talking about God is love. So think about that. Think about it for a minute. That God so loved, that God so valued you, that God so treasured you, that God so esteemed you, that he gave his only begotten son. Meditate on that for a minute. Just, just meditate because the scripture that led me to that, the, the unfailing love of God, I got out of Psalms 48 and 10. And basically 48, Psalms 48 verse 9 and 10 says, I will meditate on the unfailing love of as I worship. I'm going to say that again. I will meditate on your unfailing love as I worship in your temple. 
And I thought about that. I was laying in the bed one day and I was I was pondering the the love of God. I was just thinking about me and the Holy Spirit was having a a, a dialogue. And um, I went to Psalms 48 and see Psalms 48 starts out talking about the greatness of God. He begins in the sons of Kor. As a matter of fact, this is a psalm of uh, the sons of Kor who were Levites, who were minstrels in the temple at that time. And so they were ministering to the Lord. And they started out by talking about the greatness of God, by proclaiming the greatness of God. Then they went on to minister about the city of God. Amen. Which is Jerusalem. Then they went on to talk about uh, the holy mountain of God in Zion. They talked about the mountain of God. And then they ended up talking about it's a city of a great king and how great our God is and how the Lord is our refuge and our fortress. But he ends up in Psalms 48, 9 and 10 said, but out of all of that, this is what I want to meditate on. I will meditate on your unfailing love as long as I worship. And what I wanted to say is that when we experience the love of God, our faith explodes. I'm going to say that again. When we begin to experience, I'm talking about at a heart level now a heart level, not a head knowledge. But when the love of God, when we have a knowledge, an experiential knowledge, an intimate knowledge, an intercourse knowledge, when God's heart touches our heart and our heart responds to God's heart, when we experience the love of God, our faith explodes. Why do I say that? Because faith works by love. And the more we love God, the more we experience God, the more we trust God. So I went on and I I thought about it. I said, now, what does it mean to meditate? The psalmist says, I will meditate on God's unfailing love. And so I thought about what does the word meditation mean? The word meditate, it means to contemplate. It means to ponder. It means to muse. It means to reflect. He says, I will haga, the H-A-G-A-H in the Hebrew. I will contemplate on God's unfailing love. I will ponder God's unfailing love. I will study. I will study the unfailing love of God. In the word, that that word also means to speak quietly, to ponder, to imagine. Imagine a love that never fails, a love that would go to the cross for you, a love. We're, We're in the process now of doing communion on a daily basis here at the School of the Holy Spirit. And each day we read something about how Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, how he was crushed and bruised. That was love. And so I thought about, I said, here it is. Just think about it for a minute. Meditate on God's unfailing love. We were in a room 
about a month ago, and we were ministering to some ladies. And the Holy Spirit just quickened me to begin to tell these ladies how much God loved them, how valuable they were to God, how God esteemed them, how God treasured them. And then I began to have these women repeat after me, just say, God loves me. The Father loves me. The Father loves me. And one by one, each of these ladies began to break down. They began to weep like babies at a revelation of the love of God. They began to weep like children at a revelation of how much God loved them, how much God valued them, how much God cherished them, how much God esteemed them. See, to love someone means to value someone. To love someone means to cherish someone. To love someone means to esteem someone. The Bible said God so loved us. He so valued us. He so esteemed us. He so cherished us that he gave his only begotten. Now meditate on that for a minute. Breathe. Take a minute to just breathe that in. Because we're living in a world with, with full of rejection, full of hurt, full of pain, full of chaos full of confusion. That's why I say this is one of the greatest revelations you can have. It's the love of God. It's how much God loves you. The more secure you are in the love of God, the more stability, the more stable you are. The more stable your mind is, the more stable your emotions are, the more stable your feelings are the more secure you are in the love of God in how much the Father loves you. You know, Philippians 2 and 5 puts it like this. He made himself, talking about Jesus, of no reputation, and he took upon himself the form of a servant. Now just think about that. The God who created the universe, Elohim, the God, the God who hung the sun, the moon, and the stars in the place, the God who created the galaxies, the God who created you, his love propelled him to become a man, to make himself of no reputation, to become a servant. I'm talking about the God who created you. And then it says he became obedient even unto the death of the cross. I, you just need to breathe that in. You just need to take a moment to ponder that, to muse on that, to chew on that, how much the Father loves you, that we are the object of his love, that we are the object of his passion that we are his masterpiece. Man is God's crown jewel. Deuteronomy 32 and nine says that man is God's portion. See, we were made to be like God. See, God made us in his image and in his likeness, we were made to interface with God. We were made to think like God, to will like God 
to walk like God, to act like God. We were made to be like God. Adam was God's representative on the earth. Heaven's life was supposed to be flowing through Adam into the earth. We never really got a chance to see how God created man before Adam dropped the ball. We fast forward to Jesus and we see now that he's the last Adam. And we see him walking on water. See, God gave man authority. God gave man dominion. We never knew what man was supposed to look like because we never saw Adam never passed the test. But if you see Jesus, who was the exact representation of the father, you see an image of how God created man and how he came to restore God's image and God's likeness back to man. And he did it with love. What he could have did in his power, he did in his wisdom. What he could have did in his power, he did with his love. Oh, they said if the principalities and powers of the world had known, they never would have crucified him. But it says he made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself and he became obedient even until the death of the cross. So the more we experience God's love, the more our faith grows, the more our love grows, the more we love one another. The capacity that we have on the inside of us to experience God's love and to express God's love. See, beloved, knowing and experiencing the love of God is the greatest thing we'll ever do on this earth. Knowing and feeling the love of God will cause you to have emotional stability when all hell is breaking loose. Regardless to what's going on in the world, you can always feel safe and secure when you're experiencing the love of God. We need to know how to connect with the love of God at a heart level. Now, I did say feel the love of God because a lot of times we've been taught in one of the faith movements that our feelings don't matter, but I beg to differ. Our feelings are very much involved in us experiencing God. Our emotions are very much involved in us experiencing God. As long as you don't allow your feelings to dictate your belief system and you allow your belief system to dictate your faith. In other words, when I'm not going to be moved by what I feel, but I'm going to be moved by the word of God. So I'm not going to allow my feelings to dictate what I see, touch, taste, or feel. I allow the word of God to dictate to that. But I still submit unto you that we, God created our feelings and God wants to flow through our feelings. He wants us to express our feelings. He wants us to feel his love. He wants us to uh, encounter his love. He wants us to experience his love. He wants us to value his love. And so as I talked about how God made himself of no reputation, I want to read 
out of Ephesians. If you have your Bible, I want to just, and I talked about meditating means to study the word of God. So the Holy Spirit took me over to Jeremiah before we go to Ephesians 31 and three, where Jeremiah said, I, the Lord told to Jeremiah, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn thee. What you think about that? I don't really need to rush through this. I really need us to ponder and meditate what I'm saying. He spoke through the prophet Jeremiah that I have loved thee with an everlasting love. With loving kindness have I drawn thee. How many people know that God's love is everlasting? God's love is never ending. God's love is boundless. God's love is, is, is limitless. How many people know that we'll be experiencing God throughout all creation? Because there's no end to God. Even in eternity, we will never cease experiencing the love of God. We will never cease experiencing the glory of God. We will never cease experiencing the love of God because there's no end to God. And the only thing that God doesn't know is to end is the end of himself because there's no end to him. And I believe that it, in, in, in throne room worship right now, even as we're in this place, that the angels of the Lord are around the throne of God. It tells us that in the book of Revelations and they are crying, holy, holy, holy. You see in the book of Revelation, the throne of God and you see 24 thrones around God's throne and you see the, the elders and the creatures flying around the throne of God singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty, which was and is and is to come. Then they fall at his feet and they lay their crowns down, then they get back up and they do it all over. This is going 24 seven. Somebody say, y'all too dramatic. I'm like, don't go to heaven because they doing this 24 seven. They're worshiping God 24 seven. And what I believe they're experiencing and, and what they're experiencing and, and what the Lord is demonstrating is different levels and different degrees and different sides of his glory different sides of his splendor, different sides. Every time they see a side of his glory, they fall down and lay there. Every time they see a side of his love, every time they see a side of his splendor, they fall down in worship. God is manifesting. We will be experiencing the love of God, the glory of God, the presence of God throughout all eternity. So Jeremiah, hallelujah, told the prophet Jeremiah wrote, God, the Holy Spirit spoke through Jeremiah, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. I want to say right now, God is drawing you. God is drawing you into a secret place. The Holy Spirit is wooing you into his bed chambers. He's wooing you. He's drawing you to go deeper into him. He's wooing you and drawing you into intimacy. He's wooing you with his love. He said, with loving kindness, have I drawn thee? The Holy Spirit is drawing you. He's drawing you into the holies of holies. 
He's drawing you into his bed tank chambers. He's drawing you into a deeper intimacy with him, with loving kindness. Have I drawn thee? God is drawing us. God is drawing us. He's drawing us. He's drawing us out of the out of the just the, the the wading in the water, out of just getting your feet wet. He's he's saying, come out into the deep. Come out into the deep. You've hung out in the shores long enough. Come out where my glory is, where my power is, where signs and wonders is, where the dead is being raised, where the sick are being healed. Come on, somebody, where signs and wonders. We've stayed out on the shore way too long. God is saying it's time for conception to take place. It's time for that seed, my seed, to hit your sperma, to hit your, 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 your egg. And it's time for you to give birth to my will. It's time for you to bring forth my babies, my plan, my image. It's time for the ecclesia to begin to raise the dead. It's time for the ecclesia to see signs and wonders. It's time for the ecclesia to prepare herself. But he says, it's the love of God that's consuming us. It's the love of God that's patient with us. It's the love of God that's drawing us. It's the love of God that's not going to consume us. He said, I have drawn thee. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Isaiah 54 and 10 says, for the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake. But my loving kindness will never be removed from you, nor my covenant of peace, nor will it ever be shaken, for it's the Lord who has had compassion on you. So what Isaiah said, he said, though the mountains may be removed, in other words, regardless to all the shaking, all the quaking, everything that's going on, all the chaos, all the confusion, there's a shaking going on in the world, just in case you didn't know it. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. Every mountain, every fear, every area, the government, from the government to the entertainment to the sports arena, everything that can be shaken is being shaken, including the church. Including God's body. But he said, though the shaking, though the mountains be removed, though the hills be shaken, he said, my loving kindness will not be removed from you, nor my covenant of peace. Come on, somebody. Nor my covenant of peace. There is a covenant of peace right now. There is a window. There is a door still open. The scepter of righteousness is still extended. During this dispensation, we're in the process of entering the fullness of time and the climax of the ages. There will come a time where time will be no more. And just like a full glass of water, Time will come, time will, will be fulfilled. And we are entering in to the fullness of time and the climax of the ages. And there's so much more that could be said about that. Where God is getting ready to restore, to complete his plan, to restore everything back to its original state of glory. 
See, everything we see now is temporal. Everything we see with our eyes, not only is subject to change, it's going to change because it has death in it. And death is the last enemy that God is going to put under his feet before he returns and hands the kingdom back to the Father in its original state of glory. No more death, no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease. 1 Corinthians 15 said that Jesus said he must reign, I must reign, until I put the last enemy under my feet. And the last enemy is death. See, when Adam disobeyed God, he gave birth to sin, and sin gave birth to death. And for 6,000 years, death put on a crown and started reigning. But death is the last enemy. And so Jesus, God so loved the world that he came to restore. He came to reconcile with his blood. Come on, somebody. God, meditate on that. Ponder on that. This is nothing to be even rushed through. This is something to think about. So Ephesians 3. Hallelujah. I'm going to Ephesians 3. Chapter 15, I'm going to start at chapter 16. We're still talking about the love of God, how God so loved you, and that the agape word for love means to value someone, means to esteem someone, means to treasure someone. It means to cherish you. So God so loved you. He so valued you. You are so valuable to God. Your worth to God, it costed his very blood to redeem you. You are so worth, your worth to God is off of the charts. It costed his own life. God so loved you. He so valued you. You are esteemed. You are God's masterpiece. You are the object of his love. You're the object of his affection. You are his workmanship. You are his peculiar people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I just want you to know who you are, who you are to God, how much God loves you, how much God cherishes you, how much God values you. Hallelujah. Ephesians 3 and 16 puts it like this. May God grant you out of the rich treasures of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with might in your inner man by the Holy Spirit. This is the Amplified. Indwelling your innermost being and personality. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, and make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. That you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth, the length, the height and the depth of that love. He said, may you experience 
May you have an experiential knowledge, not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. May you experience what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height of that love. He goes on to say that you may be filled through all of your being with the fullness of God, the divine pressure, presence, I'm sorry, the divine presence and the richest measure and that we would become a body. And I love this part, that the ecclesia would become a body, holy filled and flooded with God himself. What is he saying? That the Bible, that the blood bought, blood wash ecclesia of God would become holy filled and flooded with love itself. Because God is love. That we would be filled with God. That we would become a body. That we would become. See, the Bible said knowledge puffeth up, but love edifies. Amen. One of the greatest revelations we could have is the love of God. The church should be mastering the love of God. The church, the ecclesia should be mastering. We have not mastered the love walk because we have not experienced the love walk. It's been a head knowledge. It hasn't been a heart knowledge. But Paul write that we would come to know the divine presence the riches of his treasure, the richest measure, that we would become a body, holy, filled, and flooded with God himself. And I think about Ephesians uh, 1.17, that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your understanding will be flooded with light, that we would know what is the hope of his calling. What is the riches of the glory of the inheritance he has on the inside of us? And what is his exceeding greatness towards us? And he said, it's according to, it's according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. The exceeding greatness of his power the exceeding greatness of his love, the exceeding greatness of God. And so he said that we would become a body. Paul is praying that we would become a body, holy field. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. He said, not by how you, how many tongues you speak, how much revelation you have, how much, uh, uh, you know, just whatever. He said, it's the love. It's the love of God. It's the love of God that's going to mark you. It's the love of God. It's my love flowing in you, through you, around you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. It's the love walk. Then he goes on to say, after he says that, I'm going to read that again, that God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and, and that the body of Christ will become a body, holy field and flooded with God himself. And then he goes on to say, which we kind of take this out of context, but he's talking about the love of God. When you get to verse 20, he says, now unto him who in consequence of the actions of his power 
that is at work within us, that he would carry out his purposes and do supernaturally far over, far above all that we could dare, ask, or think. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers. Infinitely. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our desires, our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. Beloved, I do a teaching on the eternal purposes of God. And in Ephesians 10, I'm just going to, the Holy Spirit is leading me right here. Hallelujah. Ephesians 3 and 11, it says, this is in accordance with the terms of the eternal and timeless purposes which he has realized and carried into effect in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so what Paul is saying, that everything that happens in creation, from Genesis to Revelation, from eternity past to eternity future, has been done in accordance with the purpose and the plan that was formed in Christ Jesus. And I tell Anybody, the only reason you exist and the only reason I exist is to fulfill God's eternal purposes in the earth. I exist, you exist, whatever church exists, where the ecclesia exists, we are in the earth to fulfill God's eternal purpose and plan of the ages. And so as I really come to a close, one of the revelations that I want to share with you today is that the capacity that you and the willingness, the capacity and the willingness. See, the Bible said, if you be willing and obedient, the capacity and the willingness that you have not only to experience God's love, but to express God's love. God wants us to experience his love, but he also wants us to express his love. We are vessels of God's love. God wants us to be saturated with his love. He wants us to be permeated with his love. We are vessels of God's love. The love of God has been poured out on the inside of us by the Holy Ghost. God has demonstrated his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Hallelujah. And I want to just say that never forget that you are esteemed by God, that God so loves you. If you don't get anything out of that, I want you to meditate on the unfailing love of God. If we get nothing else out of that, meditate on the unfailing love of God, how much God loves you, how much God values you, how much God treasures you, 
how much God cherishes you. You are accepted in the beloved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And remember, the more you experience that love, the more you can express that love. And by this shall all men know that we are God's disciples. It's because of the love. You are the apple of God's eye. He has engraved you into the palm of his hands. You are worth everything to God. And I just want to end it right there. I hope that you were edified. I hope that you were encouraged. I hope that that spoke to your heart. I hope you take this message and begin to meditate, begin to reflect, begin to ponder, begin to study the love of God and know that you are loved by God. Amen. In Jesus' name, I'm complete. I yield the mic. Elder Collins. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Elder Inez. You know, the first scripture that you read, and I think there's really an invitation. There's two invitations that are in this place. And really, as you say, that our God is calling us and drawing us into himself. He continues to do that, you know, those that don't know him and even those that do know him. He continuously draws us to himself. And the first verse that you read was from John 3, verse 16, about God's love to all of us. Hallelujah. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish. And maybe there is someone in this room that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as his or her Lord and Savior, that hasn't confessed him as Lord, as the one who died, was buried, and rose the third day, that haven't experienced, like you said, this love of God is meant to be experienced. Hallelujah. And so we want to send that invitation out first. That's the first invitation. It's just for anyone that's in this room that haven't accepted Jesus Christ as his or her Lord and Savior. And you are here today. We popped into this room just to check out. Or maybe you've heard of the School of the Holy Spirit. But we want to point you to the God who is love that has sent his son to die upon Calvary so that you and I can experience his wonderful love. I always say being saved is not a get out of hell ticket, but it's exactly this, that we are meant to experience the immense depth and intimacy of God's love. And so if you're in this room, while everyone is praying, hallelujah, if you're in this room and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day. Today is the day. This is the day of salvation. 
Hallelujah. Today is the day of salvation. And we want to invite you to make a commitment, not to men, but to God. And this is the commitment that you will receive God's love. There's nothing that we can give, but it's only for us to receive His love. Hallelujah. We want to invite you, if you're in the, in the audience, if you want prayer and you want to accept Jesus Christ in your life as your personal Lord and Savior, won't you raise your hand wherever you are? We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you and lead you to the one that loves you more than anyone else ever will. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We want to do a second invitation as well. Maybe you have gone astray and you want to accept or recommit your life to the Lord. You're in this place today. This invitation is for you. We want to invite you to raise your hand and um, we'd love to lead you to the Lord or into a prayer of recommitment, rededication. If you're in this room, you're welcome to raise your hand and we will pray with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the full message from the School of the Holy Spirit. Find us on the Clubhouse audio app. For more information, visit us at schoolofthehollyspirit.club. That's schoolofthehollyspirit.club.